All right, folks, welcome. Welcome. Don't sing on the podcast. I forgot. Uh, welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show, presented by Precision Pro. Precision Pre. Precision Pro Rangefinders. Top quality without breaking the bank. The new NX10 has slope adjustment and customizable patterns to make every round of golf special. Never lose your finder again with the cart magnet. Yo, that magnet is the strongest magnet on earth. I actually, um, I put uh, my golf bag. Well, actually, you can, you can put, if you use the holder for the range finder, you can actually attach your golf bag to anything. Uh, like your car, for example, because the magnet is so strong. Um, it's like those super glue commercials where they put the super glue on the construction helmet and I guess they glued themselves to the ceiling. Anyway, precisionprogolf.com slash Eric to get $20 off your next rangefinder. Get ready for today's show with Vinny Johnson from Portland, player and purveyor of the game. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show. Vinny? Vinny, I forgot your fucking last name. <laughs> Vincent Johnson. That's a great name. I appreciate it. Have you? Ever, how many times have you been like, I have a great name? <laughs> this might be the first time. Really? Uh, yeah, I think it's okay, I suppose. What's your last, I mean, what's your middle name? Sinclair Conrad. Oh. Yeah. Your dad was like, all out. Too. All out, yeah. Is that family related? Is that grandfather or something? No, I think my parents were bickering over names, so I got the middle names, and then somehow they settled on Vincent, and uh, you know the rest was history. But yeah, two two of my brothers have middle names um, as well, so I think uh, that was kind of something they wanted to carry on. And is Vinny uh, a nickname that you've chosen, or that's kind of been bestowed upon you? I get Vinny, I get Vince. I mean, I announce myself as Vince. Like so, on the first tee, I will always have my name announced Vincent. But after that, I'm not too picky, so I get I get it all. You're referring to a thing that most golfers don't know about, which is being referred to on the first tee. That's right. That's a big deal. That's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. That says that you've done something with your ball. That's right. It sets the tone for the day. So, yeah, very, very particular on that one. And then other, ever, everywhere else, I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, whatever feels best. Um, I, I usually um, don't take the responsibility of trying to contextualize a guest's history or life or experience or future and so i say something like you're in an elevator and how do you how do you introduce you how do you how do, when people say what do you do well how do you answer that it's a, for you it's different than what you did or maybe what you're more known for but but what do you do how do you how do you answer that yeah well as you know director of golf for portland parks and recreation you know there to uh manage the golf program we have five golf courses but ultimately to to promote and uh, to try to advance, uh, you know, municipal golf. Um, I have a lot of questions. Obviously, that's why we're doing a podcast. Uh, just want to touch on like where we are. So we're currently in Washington D.C. in room ten thirty four. It's a nice room um, <laughs> at the uh, the Intercontinental, and and we're here for the National Links Trust Symposium on Municipal Golf. And you're going to um, be part of a panel today. And I just wanted to first of all, I wanted to say thank you to the National Links Trust for having. Um, having me out to be a part of this and also having they helped us do an event on sunday night at east potomac which was really exciting um what's uh just real quick like um 
what does it mean to you to be here for this? Well, I feel really, really honored at the fact that they thought of me. Uh, I think it's really important to have these moments for industry folks and uh, an opportunity to share, to you know, talk about things. I mean, this is a really interesting time with golf uh, the last couple of years uh, and just where we are as an industry. So I, I'm, I'm always thrilled and what they're doing here in Washington, DC is really, really exciting. So I came last year, just to, you know, guess I, I saw it, uh, you know, they, I saw the, the link for it and said, Hey, I'd love to go check it out. I'd never seen the, the courses here in, in Washington, DC and uh, come back as a panelist feels very, very special. I'm excited about it today. Did you get to play at all when you came last year? I played in the, the, the golf. Yeah. On the, on the third day. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. So you played East Potomac, yes. But you haven't played Langston. No, no, not Langston. No, no. Langston's a special place. I mean, e even if you just subtracted all of the wonderful history, but the the routing is pretty nasty. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Anyway, um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I it's it this this trip is very jam packed. You yeah. know, I, I wish uh, there was a little more time for golf. So maybe next time. Um. Okay. So so actually, so secondary follow up question to what do you do when, when you're here? You know, because this is, to some extent, a networking opportunity for people, which is a word that I think is fucking absurd. But we're all trying to do the same thing, which is actually really cool. Um, everyone here is really interested in municipal golf. And, you know, I, I've heard the grow the game thrown around now for since I got into golf 10 years ago. And someone proposed yesterday that grow the game is more of a business initiative, which which I've probably said before. Um, but I was actually having a really nice conversation last night with a friend over the phone and we were reflecting on kind of what a random golf club meetup is. And I think, you know, and I think everyone listening knows, so I don't need to explain it, but he was like, you're growing the game. And I was like, oh yeah, like in a non douchey way. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that was like a really cool reflection. And, and I guess, so I guess going over all of that is that why we're here. That's that's the why you and I are here and the other hundred and so people are here. When people when people hear that, you know, you're the director of the the Portland Parks Association, all the golf courses there, what do they say next? So is there is there some type of thing that I don't know that they would ask you about then? Is there what you know what I mean? Like what 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 is what is their follow up? What do they say? <laughs> uh well, you know, I I, I guess it um I guess they're always curious about kind of the, you know, the history, just the, the climate, you know, how, you know, what kind of, kind of golf demand there is. I mean, there's a lot of really, really rich history we have in Oregon. Um, you know, I think a lot of folks, when they think of Oregon golf, there's two courses that come to mind. Uh, one is Bandon yeah. and then the other is Pumpkin, which is, you know, a little bit outside of Portland. And so, uh, you know, the, the public golf courses, uh, we have an amazing municipal system in Portland. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people are as familiar, but uh, three of our golf courses have hosted the uh, U.S. Amateur Public Links when it was an event, Whoa. and so you know they're they're really formidable golf courses that uh, our our public you know really really reveres. Um, so it's so it's a respect. It's yeah. a okay, yeah. I mean, it's up there, right? I mean, I mean, how is there a, is there like a, a top category of municipalities that kind of that are that are doing really well that in your eyes uh, around the country that are really like owning the responsibility of, of kind of operating these public fixtures? One thing I think is fascinating and in this space at, you know, here at Nash, this symposium, you really understand how, uh, how unique each municipality is. 
the structure, you know, the golf courses where they're located, the structure of their how they how they operate, uh, and really trying to you know fit the need of their local community. So it is it is really unique. I mean, you start getting into you know how the courses are maintained, uh, the playing season. You know, when you're in the Sun Belt, uh, definitely a lot lot more opportunity there, and they have their their uh, their their own concerns uh but uh, for us i think really trying to maximize you know that that summer playing season and then uh but b- being fortunate to live in the valley or be located in the in the willamette valley uh we can still have a 12-month play season but it's pretty pretty wet pretty gloomy for uh for those off-season months so if, so if uh if your um, colleagues are in the Sun Belt, what are you in? Do you, do you, have, do you have a name for it up there? <laughs> in the clouds, they they see there's a uh, Craig Kessler who I've gotten to know pretty well, and he's he's amazing. Um, he he saw this is overcast. He said, "What did you bring this here for?" So you know he's he's uh, he he wasn't too impressed with the the clouds that apparently I brought my uh, over here. Craig is an incredible incredible like force for public golf in Los Angeles. We did an interview uh, a few years ago at the cafe at Rancho, and um, he blew my mind. He told me that there used to be, in Los Angeles, at the municipal golf courses, free lessons. Had you ever heard the story? No. Yeah, I got to get him to like really fill this in, but basically, they used to just give away lessons. And I thought, that, that makes sense, right? I mean, it's kind of like... Um, you know, you, you, you would get, you would get an instruction booklet with your Ikea cabinet. Yeah. Why wouldn't you get a slight instruction booklet when you go pay for golf? Yeah. Um, we can, yeah, we can talk about that for the rest of our lives probably. (laughs) Um, okay. So, so backing up your six years old is when you got into golf. That's right. Dang. I'm jealous. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's. I think for a lot of folks that take it pretty far competitively, that seems to be kind of the sweet spot. I know there's a few others. I mean, I, I think uh, Tiger might have started a little bit earlier than I did, but <laughs> but uh, you know, a lot of folks, it seems like that six, seven, eight. You know, you're you're starting to to kind of get into it. And yeah, initially for me, uh, my dad was an avid golf lover growing up, and uh, one of my other brothers, well, all three of my brothers older brothers played growing up but two of them thought golf was dumb uh growing up yeah right right and then then you get a little older uh it's you don't this isn't really the sell for the youth out there but you get a little older and playing hoops at 35 and 40 (laughs) it gets a little bit harder and you're like hey golf not not so bad yeah so uh they play now uh, more but uh and you just smoke them (laughs) right right but my my uh, one of my older brothers he he was he had college offers um when he was in high school so he was pretty good he ended up going the more the educational route but the point being uh them playing that was like the draw i wanted to be around them and i think one of the first memories i had also was just uh the golf cart you know being on the golf cart i mean those are the two things you're like this is awesome yeah and it's a car with no doors yeah and every once in a while i can drive it yeah and you know it's funny because um you were talking about this right before we started but just getting when you're really when you're in the industry when you've been in golf forever played it forever you you forget some of those little things yeah and being back in the municipal at this very foundational setting even let's say uh when i've had some some colleagues within the parks bureau come out to the golf course and we had to go check something out 
them being on a golf cart, some have never done it before. They, it's like the coolest thing ever. And you forget just something that simple. And you're like, yeah, like if someone experienced that, that can be an, an impression where like, hey, maybe I'd come back because I got to ride on this this golf cart in this really beautiful space and, and check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at its basic, uh, you know, like ingredients, you spend most of your time just kind of meandering through a park looking, <laughs> looking for things. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hopefully not too much looking, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I'm curious to know, what, what's your dad's name? Darren. Darren. Okay. And, um, and so Darren was like, all right, Vinny, we're going to, you know, you, you're, you're, you, you can, what's your first set of clubs? Like what, and, and at what point does your dad say, holy shit? Cause there must be a point where he was just like, Vinny, you've got something. Well, you know, so when I, when I first started, uh, one, I'm just old. I feel, you know, everyone feels like they're the, they have the most amazing, you know, uh, generation that they're a part of, but I was just old enough to play wooden clubs. So okay. I, so I had some wooden woods, uh, when I first started, uh, my very first tournament, I can't remember where it was, but I finished last. <laughs> <laughs> I finished last, and I was in tears. I mean, I'm devastated. I'm in tears. It doesn't feel very good. And my mom, who I'll uh, probably say a little bit more about, but she she took me to so many golf tournaments and was such an instrumental part of my development as a golfer. Uh, but she, she, she dr drove me back home and I talked to my dad and I was, you know, again, I'm, I'm crying, I'm in tears and he goes, next event, we're going to try to beat one person. And it was a really interesting way that he put it, uh, you know, I ended up playing a lot better and I, I, you know, finished not up near the top, but it was a lot better, respectable anyways. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I think then, you know, it definitely started to accelerate as far as that, that ability, but I think it was just cause I was so drawn to it and the connection that I had with my family that, you know, I wanted to continue to get better. Um, and, and so, uh, and so you get, you get some years under your belt and then at what point does it, cause there's, cause there's that thing for a child when you're like, um, everyone's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Remember? Yeah. <laughs> they don't ask me that anymore, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I think for a while, I think for me, it was like veterinarian yeah. and then it was like race car driver yeah. for when did it become golfer for you? Yeah, probably pretty early. I think when I was 11, I won like 10 or so, you know, peewee tournaments, uh, with the, in the OGA system. And, you know, I think when, and that it was also kind of interesting cause that year that was tigers like 97 years. So I think it also was a little clear about what could be right. I mean, you're, you're really excited. So, you know, tiger wasn't the first, he wasn't why I got into golf. Um, although I will say I went and saw him at a practice round when he went to, uh, for his third U S amateur at pumpkin. Um, but then, you know, I, that, I think that might've been the first time I had heard of him. I mean, I'm a kid, I'm like really young. Right. So I, I, I don't think I had heard of him until then. Um, uh, but then in 97, you know who he is and he's changing golf. Right. And so I think from there and having some success, you can see a path of like, he's doing it and he's young and, and going after it. And maybe I could do something similar. Did any of that have to do with him being black and you being black? Does that was there any part of that? You said that he had nothing to do with you getting into golf, but do you think he had some? It's probably hard to tell what it would have been like without that role model, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say that um, the presence that I had with my my dad's black, my mom's white. I, I think the the presence of my dad uh, and setting that context. I don't think that Tiger necessarily did that, but also you know you're taking things in. Uh, you know, as far as 
when he was winning, well, you know, some of these things were unprecedented, right? So you're like, well, no one's, no one's done this. No one's <laughs> won three USAMs in a row uh, on the men's side. Um, but uh, as he wins the, you know, the Masters and they're saying what it means and, and, you know, he's the first and you start hearing that more. I think it just, it continues to, to, to bring that awareness of just how generally unexpected it, it is in golf or was. Right. Yeah. There's so much that happens in that time of being, you know, under whatever, 15, 13, 12, when you're like defining the world and, and you don't understand these things that we've all, we, we sort of, there's like a, there's like a line where it's like totally innocent. And then it's like, oh, now I understand the cultural, like, uh, beliefs that everybody has about the way things are. Mm -hmm. Um, did that, did, that's a very vague statement, but if you're following, did anything like, did anything, was there a moment where you were like, oh, wait a minute, like on the golf course where you were like, this is not, um, this isn't the picture that was painted for me by my family or something? You know, it's interesting. I, I would say, cause I, I've shared this before. Um, you know, one, I, my dad worked at a golf course. So that's how I got into the game. So I think having that presence there, I never felt like I didn't belong because my dad was there. And, you know, so being a, a biracial kid, being a black kid at a golf course where there's not a lot of, well, not a lot of juniors, really. I mean, I think, you know, there's there's junior programs, but as much as I was up there, definitely there was, wasn't as many juniors that I, as, as uh, there as often as I was. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, with, with him being there and being pretty good at golf, I also had this sense of when people were watching, it was because I was good. And to some degree that was probably true. And you know, like you say, as you get older, you maybe look back and go that, that probably wasn't all of it, but I think that that's how I took it. So I think that the connotations that I had with that are different than let's say uh, a black junior that are, is just dropped off at a camp and there's no other black kids and they just started. So they aren't very good. And what is that experience? So I think that I was really, fortunate to have the experience that I did to where that was something that I didn't necessarily fight a lot, but I, I had, you know, a couple there really often. And, you know, I guess I wouldn't care to talk about them a ton, but I had a couple instances where, you know, they thought I was the caddy and, <laughs> and, you know, I'm showing up for an event. Um, but that's, and that's happened to a lot of, you know, black golfers. Um, but I think that you have those moments you're like, Oh, you know, with no context. Yeah. Cause your dad's not here. Cause you're across right. the country or wherever you are. Uh, you're going, oh, it starts to open your eyes when you when you do have those experiences. I appreciate that you said you don't really care to talk about them. I, th I think that's actually, uh, I mean, I think it's kind of like there, there's a there's something about a success mindset, I believe, where it's like you just you just move on. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not contextualizing well, it properly. Well, I, I'm sorry. I, and I guess I would say this is, you know, even kind of drawing back to growing the game, right, or, or the, why we're here. Uh, I think that there are, um, to, to call out anything too specifically, I think that there's work that the whole industry is trying to do, but needs to do. Yeah. And so I think just, it's really easy to point out to one instance and, and say, Hey, this person is the problem. You're going, well, it's, you know, generally they're, you know, black golfers weren't expected to be there. And, and historically, you know, their spaces, right. That, that only black people were kitchen staff and caddies. And so I think just knowing that is, um, is, is not necessarily handed down too too much on that. But, um, 
Yeah, I think also because actually in one of those instances, I I was uh, I was I was really it was, you know it threw me off. I mean, yeah. I think it was so unexpected, and then I felt really really upset and uh, talked to my brother, and he's like, you know, you still have golf to play. And so, you know, at this point, what, what can you do about it? And so I think just, you know, trying to take a moment and golf in and of itself, you know, calls for introspection and, and trying to, you know, even yourself out. And so just taking that, th that moment to go, you know, it's a pretty rotten thing, uh, but let's, let's focus on what we do have control over and, and what we have ahead. So, um, I took that, you know, into the rest of the week, but, uh, uh, yeah, it was quite the, quite the experience. Did you win? I did not. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did not. No. Um, I, uh, yeah, I think, um, there's the, 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 the connection to your dad's connection to the course, like by proxy, his comfort level with the golf course is something that, um, you know, I think I was just reflecting on my own kind of getting into golf and, um, and my own kind of like, just like, like what, like. Like, um, like this isn't my home. And for a while it, it was my home, but I was more like a renter mm -hmm. or like, um, you know, like a, like a, um, squatter. Yeah. And, and there was a time where it transitioned. And I think for me, it was partly traveling and, and filming golf. It all of a sudden I became comfortable anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, um, you know, if there was some type of, uh, indication that someone felt differently, that was their thing. Yeah. And that was a really cool seat to occupy within my own golf. Um, I guess IQ isn't what it is. It's more of an emotional kind of thing where it's like, oh, I'm I'm like home here. And then, and throughout the years of traveling, there's there's been sometimes where I'll be like, not, not I don't have time to go play golf, but uh, I'll just go sit at a golf course. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I went to the Charleston Muni and I didn't have time to play, so I just went and sat on the range and yeah. just like, and it was like my home for that yeah. moment. Do you do you, you grew up with that? That's very special. It is, and you, I mean, you make a really fascinating point, and it's kind of the the. It feels like one of the secret, you know, secret, but one of the important components of how you would grow, more, you know, get more folks to the golf course, a more diverse uh, cross section of folks to the golf course is, you know, there there are barriers, and again, being in the municipal space, you realize just how. Uh, how thorough that can be for some some folks. I think that, like you say, is you get in it long enough, then you're like, yeah, I just expect it. But that that initial process, that was, you know, you, you might might kind of forget about it over time, but you're going, that's a big deal for it to feel like I should be here. I expect to be here. And and uh, that, that step, I mean, hopefully we can continue to make other folks, you know, help guide them along and support them to, to feel that. Because when they do, uh, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, they, they, you know, the space is it. They're they're really beautiful spaces. They're, um, you know, they're they're comfortable. I think that they're calming and, and the, all those all those good things that really pr promote overall wellness. So I think yeah. Anytime we can get more folks just stopping by, even um, I'll say one other thing I think is interesting is there are some folks that know so little about golf, so they'll they'll group uh, private golf and public golf together. And so some of them, they think that they're private, even like some of our golf courses, they think that they're either private uh, or, or, you know, and they couldn't go there if they weren't like expected to golf. And so I think just knowing that is like, oh, so a barrier is just, yeah, no, it's totally fine for you to come here. Like there's a restaurant that you don't need golf clubs. You could come here and just hang. Right. And some folks 
don't know that and you're like well what kind of opportunity would there be if if we can just get you know the the level of awareness raised um i went to israel to play golf and there's one golf course there used to be two Mm. um but now there's one and it was i'll send you a link to the episode Vinny. i think i think you would dig it because it's basically um the the utopian version of what you just described which is well first of all they have free lessons and they also have like a a vibey restaurant that people go to yeah. that are clearly not there to play golf. And there's even like a retail thing going on. There's like a jeweler. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> it's like wow. there's like a spa <laughs> yeah. at a at a public uh golf course, you yeah. know. Um and you know, everyone definitely feels like they belong there. And and I want to go to a quick break, but when we come back, I want to pick your brain about you know, when we were when we were reflecting on that transition of you know feeling like you're at home at the golf course, I think what it clicked for me was thinking about the word purpose, and you're, you know, I was I had a joke in my head that I was going to say, well, what are you, the mayor of golf in Portland? I mean, you probably are, but uh, you know, your purpose is very defined around that. L- let's just go to a quick break, and I want to jump into that in a second. All right, now a word from our sponsor. Better help. Uh, it can be tough to train your brain to stay in, quote, problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of that song by the White Stripes, which I could play right now called Acorns, where it says, when problems overwhelm us and sadness smothers us, where do we find the will and the courage to continue? For some, it comes in the voice of a trusted friend. But for Susan, it came from a squirrel. One day out for a walk, Susan saw a squirrel picking up nuts, picking up nuts. And she realized that if that squirrel could overcome their problems one by one, she too could find the will to continue. So just like that squirrel, Susan started picking up the acorns. Anyway, you get it. Uh, If that stays in the ad read, I'm stoked. Um, but anyway, problem solving mode, you know, it's, it's tough to train your brain to stay there and you can get super emotional about the problem. So it's all about learning how to find your own solutions. Um, and that's ultimately, I believe one of the keys to finding what, uh, what I call a success mindset. Um, you have to approach the problem as though, even if you don't have a solution, you will find one because you always do. You always find some solution. Um, and, and for me, throughout most of my life, therapists have been a big part of helping me uh, find solutions to problems. Uh, so it becomes easier you know, to accomplish goals, um, you, know, you know, kind of big or small. Um, so for me, obviously, I think I've talked about this before, but uh, it's a big part of my life. So I urge you to try BetterHelp. If you use the code Better H E L P dot com slash E A L show. You're going to get 10% off your first month. Better H E L P dot com slash E A L show. Get matched with a therapist after filling out just a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. Fan duel football season is underway. It's one of my favorite sports. I love, I just love watching it. I love a cover two defense. And you know what I'm talking about. Do you know what a cover two defense is? It's when the two safeties go into the deep cover. 
It's not man-to-man. It's not even really zone. It's like a modified zone. Um, so download FanDuel. I almost threw out an F-bomb there. Uh, it's America's number one sports book. And because right now FanDuel is uh, giving customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Not 1000 It's 1000 they, they just, I'm going to take out the H and I'm just going to make it a thousand. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code RGC. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to the point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. With live bettings, you'll get updated odds on games that have already statted. And the app is safe and secure and easy to use. Uh, and get your winnings paid fast. So sign up today with your promo code RGC for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Now back to the show. Okay, so um, we were talking about purpose on the golf course. So you're, you're, how many different purposes or purposes have you had in golf throughout your life thus far? Yeah, obviously the playing. Um, I think that that's had a sense of purpose. I uh, you know did some teaching, um, and that was an interesting you know kind of transition as I was getting out of, of playing competitive golf. Uh, I think being so enamored with and want and just the goal was always to to you know play on tour. Uh, when that starts to fade and and you have to transition out of it. Um, not knowing, you know, that that uh, instruction would be so rewarding. So when I was able to to get into that, um, that was it. Felt when you saw folks really connect and uh, see the value and in, in kind of going through it, uh, that was really, really, really rewarding. And now I think getting back in the the municipal space in in this position, uh, just realizing that you know the little kids out there like that was me you know just you know not not too long ago and knowing how much golf has been able to change my life and honest you know a sliver of people play you know high school golf uh let alone you know college and and beyond but ultimately those opportunities uh can can we make some of those that can really be impactful in their own way to those individuals and so that's always been uh something that you know really inspires me to get up and 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 try to figure it out and make the whole thing go you know a little bit better every day Uh, what is your what does your father have to say about kind of your current purpose in golf well, he's he's proud of me. I, I think that he's he's excited that uh, I'm able to you know kind of give back uh, and to to help the next generation. Um, and I think just being in golf, I think for those that you know probably like me that that have played it for so long and been in the industry, a lot of my identity is is wrapped up in being in golf, being a golfer. I mean, I still feel like a, I mean, I don't play hardly ever anymore <laughs> but i still this part of me feels like a golfer still i still would like identify as that and uh that is just really driven like you say to make the purpose really clear that you know we can make a difference to this game when was the last time you played golf Oof. you're asking the hard questions now <laughs> this is actually pretty easy <laughs> <laughs> I, I i played last month um but i mean it's been a spattering you know it's been a, a busy year um, also had a little vacation in the summer, so that kind okay. of put a, put a hex in uh, some golfing. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing how much time can get chewed up. And tell you what, you know, 
growing up playing golf, you get it and you get how you can get better because you have all the time in the world. And, and as, as working people, you have to be very intentional to make yeah. golf a part of your habit. And um, I think one, it talks, shows the value that golf can have in folks' life, but, but ultimately you, you gotta make some time for it. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't, it's, it, can, it can go. So, so I, I, I've, I've, I'm wondering if this is a thing that, um, that I've, I, I haven't quite experienced that. Uh, <laughs> I'm about to make a joke. Um, but it's when you get so good <laughs> that you just like hit a wall and, and then there's, there's like the physical wall of like, well, I want to shoot four under, mm-hmm. right? I'm satisfied with five birdies and a bogey. That's, that's, that's for me. That's my, you know, expectation. And then, um, you know, you obviously stop practicing and you're going to shoot two over. And yeah, am I getting it right? Yeah, yeah. I think you're, you're on to something. And, you're, and, and you come in with three bogeys and a birdie and you're like, fuck, so I'm way better than that. Is that, is that part of it for you? Like, like you're just like, you know, because there's definitely a drug associated with like playing well and just draining putts and, and, and hitting it close. Yeah. There's something about when you hit the ball and you watch it track, that's like a very, very unique feeling. Is, does that go away? Is that is that something that? Yeah. Well, I think for you know for me personally, I think that there's you know just the the frustration of, like you say, the memory bank of ability or shots that you pulled off, and you're like, I know I can do this. And some of them, you know, the 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 less and less you play, some of them aren't with you know relative, but some of them aren't you know, overly challenging. You're just like, I'm not pulling this shot off. And it, it, you know, and so I think that that dissonance of what, you know, is possible and you, you know, generally, you know, how to do it, but, uh, executing it, um, it doesn't really happen quite as often. It, it's a, it's an interesting process to, or experience to have. you are like, yeah, I'm don't feel like there's any reason why I can't do it. But apparently, you know, uh, when you golf 5% of what you used to, yeah. you get worse. So what was your what was your lowest round ever, Vinny? I shot sixty two a few times. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, and that's is that ten birdies, no bogeys, or is that like an eagle and a bogey or two? Uh, nine. It was ten. It was par seventy one, ten birdies and a bogey, and then I think one other time, um, actually at Chester Washington at an APGA oh, really? tour event uh, in LA. Yeah, yeah. And the coolest thing was so that year um, they had some foot ball players join and I was playing with Marshall Falk oh, that wow. day and finished I think I finished with three birdies or something like that but yeah so I had like a nice round going and then I really brought it home but the, the shoot 62 was pretty cool yeah yeah so so um I mean my kind of goal now is to uh I want to I want to get you to play more golf thank you <laughs> I feel like I feel like uh I don't know. I think I think I think it's also something that happens where um, I think also the process of playing golf is sort of anti-golf in a weird way. Like I don't know. Like hear me out, but like eighteen holes, lot of holes, a lot of time, um, and then also like I think when we go at it semi-seriously, which you're probably in, you have in your DNA, um, you know. I don't know. I want I want you to come to a meetup. No, I think it'd be. I, I would enjoy that. I want. I want you to co-host a meetup in Portland. Okay. I. I. I definitely. I think that would be be a really really cool experience. Uh, I think to your point though, you kind of you were talking about purpose before, and I think the other thing that I 
as I've gotten out of, you know, competitive golf and I've, I've been in this space and you're not traveling, you're not around, you know, a lot of my, uh, the guys I used to play with don't you know live in the area and coming back to kind of your roots to where what's the purpose of me playing golf and if it's you know not to go you know skunk the course or shoot shoot these amazing scores uh it's the community around you and that's that's the purpose like you say it is it is a it's a commitment it's an investment into yourself but you know the 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 what you're getting out of it is that sense of community and when you have that it, it is really alluring to do. And, you know, there's plenty of folks and I still play it by myself, you know, um, uh, often enough, um, out of my rounds. But, uh, I think that that, that sense of community and com camaraderie is, is really what makes it. Yeah. I, I firmly believe that, um, if you don't have any golf buddies, you're probably not going to play golf. I think that's a big part of it. And whether they're the same ability as you or not is irrelevant. I think it's just that you enjoy spending time together. Cause like you said, like like it's kind of like uh, golf is like a big cake. Most of the um, you know the 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 like baked portion, whatever you call the the cake portion, is like hanging out. Then there's like frosting of like um, you know looking for your ball, and then there's a couple nuts on top, which is actually hitting it. Yeah, and it's like it's not really about the score. And I and I was like going thinking about purpose actually, and. <clears throat> I felt uh, sometimes that, and this was a few years ago, I guess, that going to play golf can be an inherently selfish activity. If you, if it's a slippery slope, mm. right? Like it can, it can become a very unfulfilling and selfish activity when you've got your pencil sharpened and you're an amateur, and you're like, ah, you know, I just my goal is this, and and that, I'm not, I'm not um, trashing that at all because I've been there and I've done that. But what I'm saying is that like. Ultimately, you're like um, they they call it like a like a hungry ghost in Buddhism, where it's like you want something. You're you're in a state of wanting, and so you go to the golf course and you're wanting that number. And I've found myself, maybe not true for anyone else, but I found myself get burned out on that and being like, okay, well, it's just you know, it's not gonna happen today. Might as well leave. I get. Should I leave? I don't know. Like yeah. I don't like these guys I'm playing with. Random pairing. I don't know. And so for me, it really changed when I was like, oh no, like I'm, I'm playing for something else. And I, and I get really, like you said about getting intentional with the, the time, I just get really intentional about the, the, the way the golf is played. And so I'll typically say, you know, I'll definitely play nine. Mm -hmm. I don't know about 18. I need mm -hmm. to like be really gentle with that time. And then, um, yeah, so now I've started playing like six and seven holes right before twilight right right like super twilight right before sunset and it's like cool man i know i'm not gonna finish right so i can play Take my heart out off, yeah and i pick really carefully who i'm gonna go play with and i want to not talk about work on the golf course um anyway um yeah no it's a good point and, and again kind of taking that that broader view you just realize how few people play tournaments and keep score <laughs> right like to a to a serious degree and from that standpoint, I think from an industry perspective is to keep that in mind that how would you serve those folks best? And, you know, what would you do to support them? You know, what kind of messaging is that to where you're, you're promoting that? And I think that uh, tournament golf definitely gets, um, it's overrepresented by just the masses that play. The media. Yeah. yeah. And, and obviously it's, it's the, you know, it's the crown jewel. I mean, when you see it, it's, it's amazing to watch. It's very inspiring. Uh, but uh, one thing I, 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 I thought about and I've talked to a few folks about is 
you know, since during the, the, the COVID pandemic, uh, some folks kind of likened it to the tiger boom. And, you know, the stark difference is, you know, Tiger, the reason folks were getting in the game, they're seeing this guy play and he, they're hitting shots. He, he hit shots that pros can't hit. And so when they would go try it, you're like, well, this isn't what I was expecting. And this is really hard. Well, with COVID in this spike, I mean, we weren't, no one was running events. They were right. running shotguns. It was, I feel like the, that very core foundational reason of why public golf was there. Folks wanted to get out. They wanted to be safe. They want to go see some folks that they, they, they knew and be outdoors. And that's what it provided. And I feel that, you know, some of it, um, you know, there's a lot of factors at play, but I, I, I kind of wonder, um, I'm wondering out loud now is, you know, what kind of staying power does that have? Cause I think the expectation and the reality during COVID was matching up perfectly. Yeah. And, you know, like you say, you have those experiences. You're like, Hey, this is like, I, maybe I wasn't playing as much before, but yeah. This is this is worth it. This is worth my time. This is this is this is a great thing to to include in my life. Yeah, it's like <clears throat> that's interesting. I hadn't I didn't really thought of it that way, but like COVID sort of made us grateful for just the ability to be together. Uh and 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 the way that took place was also really special because we were outdoors in public. Mm. <clears throat> so what would you say like so your day to day? Um what do you like you said you you don't you, you don't get paid to play golf right now so you're <laughs> so you're you're paid to think and do about golf what is most of that comprised of what what's what's the challenge that you're overcoming currently well uh i think ultimately managing costs one is with you know with inflation and just generally you know costs going up uh you know business at the city is, is it's expensive. And so to, to be able to try to manage that and do everything you can to mitigate that because what you're, what we're charged with and what municipal golf is, is known for is access and affordability. So I think balancing those two are, is, is always uh, inherently our, our challenge. And then I think like a lot of uh, municipalities, just the deferred maintenance. So, um, you know, being able to address all the infrastructure needs that are needed to, to that, the investment that's needed to really see that the, the program's on a good trajectory. Um, yeah, that's interesting. You basically have to run a business that shouldn't make money or, or, or doesn't need to make, it needs to make some money, right? What, what's the criteria for you? Of yeah, as, as an enterprise fund, we have to cover our our expenses by the the revenues that the golf course creates. So yeah, no no general fund, and so with that, it, it is it is an interesting space to yeah. to, to be in, and uh, and like I said before, you know, uh, granted, uh, L A is is like you know no other, but the city of L A and L A County, just that the playing seasons that they have, and again, they have their 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 own issues, um, but from from the overall demand and just how many rounds are able to produce it it changes you know the the calculus and kind of what their what their 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 issues are at least the opportunities they have i think with our shorter playing season um being able to generate those those rounds um and just being a little bit more uh, uh vulnerable to weather yeah yeah um it's it's interesting because like you know, one of the things that happened here in DC is this public private partnership kind of thing. And, and does that exist in a lot of other places or is that very new and, and unique? 
I think they're they're sprouting up more and more. There's been a few examples that have been shared, you know, shared uh, here last year at this this symposium, and I think that those are things that can really, yeah, be be transformative for a facility or for a system. And um, you know, I think that you know in Portland it would be fantastic to try to find opportunities like that because uh, ultimately you know the the facilities need need investment. Yeah. And you know, and also I, one thing I think about is you know how how equipped are we to serve looking forward yeah. and, and do our facilities, are they, are they set up for that? And if not, what can we do to, to help make, you know, help make them modern enough that they can continue to allure folks, but then also serve them, uh, you know, as they need. Yeah. So, so as I understand it here, we've got a nonprofit, the national links trust funded by donors and, uh, this nonprofit sort of oversees or holds the lease to all these golf courses. Mm-hmm. And then they've then hired Troon Golf to operate the courses. In your case, it's taxpayers and and people buying golf, essentially creating the bank for the courses, and you guys also operate it. Um, so, as an enterprise fund, it's just the revenue, so we don't get j- taxpayer dollars. No taxpayers. Yeah, no tax. Okay. So we're separate budget. Is that is that common? Uh, the, yeah, I think I think largely. I mean, I, every every municipality is different, but a number of them are enterprise funds. Some what of them are enterprise fund even mean. Yeah, enterprise fund. I mean, basically that it 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 it's, it's non essential. <laughs> yeah, it it charges you know it charges a fee and, and it 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 brings in it brings in revenue that that covers its expenses. So okay. you're you're going to be on your own. You're not going to be uh, needing general fund dollars. It's a nice way of saying don't ask us for any money. Yeah, from the from the city. Or the, yeah, yeah. yeah. The I state. mean, yeah. Ultimately, um, yeah. and so uh, with that, the other distinction is um, our in Portland we have uh, city uh, union labor that performs the maintenance of the grounds and maintains the buildings, and then we contract out the clubhouse operation. So, oh, okay. so some are different. Uh, city of LA does it a little bit different. I think they contract out the the restaurant, but not the club, the pro shop. So I think everything's a, you know a little bit different. Have you considered any changes with the way things are currently working to potentially make them better, or or have you made any changes thus far that have been successful? Well, you know, I think uh, huge structural changes. The 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 one that uh, we we had recently gone out um, for for solicitation was to. Um, for four of our golf courses, um, historically, we, those have been kind of one-offs. And so we've gone through that process and we're close to, to, to completing that process. What is it? I don't understand um, really. So what that means is uh, having a new contract and a new, new for clubhouse operations. Ah, okay. Yes, yes. So bringing in new clubhouse operators, why? What's the, what's the goal? Well, ultimately, one is just you're, you're required to have competitive processes. Ah. Um, but ultimately, it's also another a new uh, opportunity to uh, you know, get proposals for, to address the needs and to you know, have respondents and you know, show how they would address the needs of the golf program. Right. So, Man, I would love to operate a golf course. <laughs> or, or to even just the clubhouse would be sick. Yeah, I mean it's 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 really interesting. I think recreation generally, you know, when I think about all the city bureaus in, in Portland, um, you're you're dealing with you're in a space where folks are. Um, it's it's more probably joyous than than some other bureaus where folks are trying to play right. They're they're right. trying to get outdoors and and or, or uh, uh, you know enroll in programming. 
Um, and so I think that that it's always really exciting to be hands. I mean, I'm not quite as hands on, but going to the facilities and seeing that it's just, it's an amazing, um, co you know, connection with the community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, what, in, in kind of winding down here, what, what is like, um, what's the thing you're most excited about that's on the horizon? <sighs> Yeah, I, I think continuing to, to leverage the opportunities we have to just continue to make golf more accessible. There's a lot of great things that we've we've uh, you know been able to accomplish in some pretty cool programs to get more juniors into golf, to get uh, more young adults into golf, and just to continue to grow on that and you know spreading awareness and and really making the non-golf community more aware of what the golf courses provide as far as opportunity and the benefits of having golf in the recreation portfolio. So I think awareness building and just, again, continuing, you, you see the, the progress of uh, the programming and you see folks uh, participating in them and you're just going more. I mean, it's it's absolutely, it's the most rewarding thing and we're hoping to just do it more. It's funny, I thought you were gonna say, uh, you know, host a random golf club meetup. I thought that was what you were gonna say. <laughs> that was second. <laughs> After all that, that was second. Dude, we gotta do it. Yeah, um, I look forward to that. What, what, what's a good course? Up? What's the best course uh, that you would that you think would fit kind of the the, the goal of the, of the meetup? That's a good question. Um, you and know, the next question is what's a good date? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, so sometime in the summer, but uh, you know, the the Great Blue uh, Golf Course at Heron Lakes, which was the last course to host the U.S. Amateur Public Links in two thousand. Okay. Uh, I think that's generally kind of our our most. Uh, uh, revered as far as it, it gets played uh, and, and it's kind of known uh, more regionally. Okay. Um, so that, that'd be probably a good Great blue at Heron Lakes. Yeah. All right, Vinny. Well, I look forward to seeing you there. You're going to hit the opening tee shot. It's going to, it might be a minute because we're coming up on uh, the cloudy season, but thank you for joining me. Do you have any questions for me? No, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the show and I will see you soon. All right. <laughs>